This is episode 121 of the Rising Man podcast with Ryan Thomas. Let's talk about sex, baby. Yeah. Blessings and good rising to you, family, wherever you are in the world out there. Sending some good thoughts and good vibes out to you. Jetty Azuma here, bringing you another amazing installment of the Rising Man podcast. If this is the first time that we get to meet, then let me introduce myself as the host of this podcast and the founder of the Rising Man movement. Our mission here at Rising Man is to initiate an entire generation of men and to prepare the next generation of male leaders. We believe this is how we as men can make our greatest impact on the future of humanity. None of this is possible without community. None of this is possible without creating a new culture. So before we engage in our conversation today, I wanna invite you again, or for the first time, to become an even greater part of the Rising Man family. Because if you're a man out there without a men's circle, then wait no longer. Join us inside the Rising Man fire circles and gain access to your very own men's team. Monthly training calls with myself, guest presenters, and so many other amazing opportunities to connect with men from all over the world, to share your challenges, your triumphs, and everything in between. If you're looking for men's initiations, for gatherings and trainings that will prepare you to be the man you've always wanted to be in your life, then go check out all the offerings we have over at risingman.org. Go check it out today. Get yourself involved. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait for that time to come. Go ahead and get yourself involved so you can become the man you wanted to be in the future today. All right. Without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Mr. Ryan Thomas. Ryan owns the company, The Intimate Lifestyle, which is a personal growth company for men. He works with men to help them have epic sex and break through the emotional BS that screws up their relationships and sex life. In this episode, we discuss the widespread prevalence of sexual shame in men and why we never speak about it amongst ourselves. Why so many of us experience fear and anxiety around sex and how we can liberate ourselves to have more fulfilling and enjoyable sex lives. We talked about some of the most common misconceptions we have as men about our own sexual inadequacies and how we can access sexual and emotional freedom. Without further ado, Mr. Ryan Thomas. Rising man, audience, family, tribe. Got another amazing brother from north of the border up in Vancouver, Canada, Mr. Ryan Thomas joining us on the show today. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing all right. From zero to 10, how are you feeling about this quarantine time right now? Ooh, it's a mixed bag. I'd say it's like, I'm actually doing okay right now. I'm actually doing okay. I'd say three on the social because I'm missing, like I miss the physical connection with people, mm -hmm. but general spirits, I'm about an eight. Like I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm able to make, you know, stay connected by having phone calls and Zoom chats and just using the time to create and keep my, my personal studies going. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I'm, I'm a solid eight right now on the overall scale. I, it's like a sliding scale for me. I don't know how it's been for you. It kind of, it goes up and it goes down. Generally, I feel like I'm pointing in a good direction, but I, I'm really grateful that I've got technology and also a purpose like the podcast to keep me connected to men and keep me dialed into the conversation. I try to imagine if I had like a hands-on job where I had to be hands-on all day long to, to give my gift back to the world, how, how troubling that would be right now. 100%. Yeah. Well, here we are navigating 
quarantine time and global pandemics, but we have a lot of uh, something really important to talk about today, man. This this topic is very challenging for a lot of us men to speak about sexuality. I'll be interested to hear your perspectives on why that might be, but we agreed we want to talk about this topic of sexuality for men and also specifically shame when it comes to our sexuality. I know that's something that you have been in a deep conversation and dialogue around uh, on your own podcast. So before we tap into that, let me first ask you this question for context. What is the difference between a boy and a man? That is a good question. No one has ever asked me that before. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of having a visual. So I'll describe the visual. The visual is a boy is carrying a plastic sword and wearing a plastic crown and wants, you know, the princess. And that's a boy thinking he's, he's, a, he's a king and he's like this strong person and getting all these things for himself. Whereas a man recognizes he's gone through battles and he recognizes the weight and responsibility that, his, that he carries in order to get these things that his inner boy want. The inner, like, and it has the responsibility that he has to carry. So it's not about getting these things. It's about the responsibility that he brings and what he's contributing to the world. So being a man is about responsibility, whereas a boy is about what can I get? Mm, yeah, that's, and that seems to be a pretty consistent theme and message when we're distinguishing between boy and man. Do, do you think that the boy in us ever dies or goes away? Or is that something that we always have within us, even when we step into our manhood? I think it's always there. I think it's just managed with recognizing that we have a responsibility. So what's, what's carrying more? The inner boy wants to reject the responsibility. So as a man, if you start rejecting responsibility, if you start resenting, you know, going to going to work, if you start resenting the things that you have to do, if you start leading, if you lead with a lot of resentment in your life, it's because the inner boy hasn't, you haven't fully let go of your inner boy and stepped into being a man. Yeah. So the inner boy will always be there, but it just needs to be balanced with being a man and mm-hmm. accepting the responsibility. Yeah. And I like what you said there about leading with resentment. I think that that, when I think about my own boy, that's when I really feel like I, I step out of my responsible self and my committed self as a man and, and allow my boy to take over and start driving the bus is when, cause I, I, there's, there's plenty of times where resentment comes up where it's like, I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to have to do this. Oh, why am I have to, why do I have to take responsibility for this thing now? But usually I can head that off and then you know, my, my, my adult self comes in and takes the wheel over again. But sometimes that boy will drive the bus for a little while and take it for a joy ride. And that's, <laughs> to me, that's leading with resentment and letting resentment dictate how I behave versus feeling resentment around something, identifying it, and then moving past it anyway. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That's Great, it. Great, man. Thank you for articulating that because I'm, I'm interested in where this distinction between boy and man shows up around sexuality. So maybe maybe that's a good leverage into what we're going to talk about today. How how does a boy hold his sexuality? How how does he how does he navigate sexuality? Again, that is an amazing question. I haven't been asked that question before. Man, I've been doing this for about 5 years and I've never had anyone ask me that question before. <laughs> I love this. This is great. Um, <laughs> how does a boy navigate his sexuality? Well, a uh, a boy is just selfish in his sexuality. It's about ego. It's not about connection. It's not about shared connection. It's about what am I going to get out of this? So how can I get my orgasm? And, or, so there's that, or it's how can I make her orgasm as many times as possible so that I feel good? 
So it's not mm-hmm. about how can I create something, create a sexual experience with my partner? What can I get out of it? Ah, very different. And so you implied it already, but how does a man wield his sexuality or navigate sexuality? Yeah, well, it's about, it's again, it's about a shared connection. So obviously we're human beings and we are going to have selfish components, selfish elements, but it's also what can I create with my partner? What can I, how can I create a beautiful sexual experience? How can I connect with my partner? So it's, it's about connection through sexuality not about getting something it's about connection and then paying attention to what you're what you're giving and what you're creating with her mm-hmm. so like yeah. on, on the boy like a lot of guys will be like oh i i give orgasms all the time but no it's not about giving orgasms because if you're doing that like i'm give 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 it's because you don't even allow yourself to receive because if all you're doing is just giving all the time and you can't actually sit back and receive well it's because you're receiving something by giving so much so mm-hmm. it actually turns into an ego thing of like, oh, I'm better than all these other guys because I'm such a giver. And it's like, well, yeah. you're actually, that's just a roundabout way to feed your ego. So, And that, that ego can be really clever. It's, it can be very tricky and sly. I, I, let's just talk about that component for a minute, about how our ego can trick us into humility, you know, perceived humility, perceived generosity and selflessness. But really, we're serving ourselves. That, that was a great example of what you said right there is the guy who, you know, claims sexual prowess because he gives multitude of women m- multiple orgasms all the time. But who's that really about? That's, that's the question at the end of the day, right? Is who, who are you really making it about? Exactly. Exactly. Are you, are you doing this because you genuinely care and you're creating something and just having tons of fun with this person? Or are you doing it because are you giving these orgasms because you feel like a loser if you don't? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of yeah. like a fear of like, what, a, oh, is it? Yeah, it's fear-based mindset or creation and love-based mindset of I just love having sex and love having pleasure and love experiencing this and love creation and connection mm. versus I need to do these things and press her in this way in order to create this orgasm because that will mean that I'm better as a man. Yes. Yeah. It also sounds like there's a validation component involved in it as well. Whereas, you know, if, if I'm just a guy who's creating from a loving space with my partner and she happens to orgasm, versus she must orgasm in order for me to be to feel like I'm sexually competent there's that validation component that I think we see translate into many different domains of life where if if the purpose or intention behind me doing something once I clear that ego mask out of the way is actually because I want to feel better about myself or appear to be more competent capable etc to somebody else then to me, I would I would attribute that to the boy. That my my articulation of the boy. There's there's that validation seeking behavior that my version of a man doesn't depend on. Yes, is it similar for you? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Cool. So, all right, excellent. Well, let's let's steer that into sexual shame. Why don't we just start off by telling us what is it to have shame around one's sexuality, especially as a man? Yeah, it's basically just wanting to hide, wanting mm-hmm. to hide yourself, and it's being so incredibly insecure or unsure or afraid to show aspects of who you are because of what you think it might mean about you. So either you were trying to reject certain parts of yourself because you think that it means that you're less of a man or you're not a good member of the church or you're not a good person or you're a freak. So you try to reject certain parts of yourself or, well, yeah, like all of those things. So, and you try to hide these parts of yourself because of what you think other people are going to say about you as well. So that's what shame is, is trying to reject certain parts of yourself. But Mm. when you do that, 
you're actually rejecting your whole self. <laughs> well, but before you tell us about that, because I want I want to hear about reject what that means to reject our whole self. What are you've talked to a lot of guys about this, and you've opened up this conversation quite a bit. So, what what are some of the most common shames that that men have around their sexuality? Maybe you can give us a few examples. Yeah, biggest and most common shames are not lasting long enough, not being able to get hard. Those are the biggest ones, and then sexual acts that are considered to be gay. Mm. So having yeah. sex with another man or with a penis. Uh huh. So, wow. I wonder how many men, if we took 10 men, how many of those men on average do you think would exhibit all three of those things? Would, would all claim three all those three things. of those. Yeah. Oh, that I don't know. Um, if you had to guess. The, the number that comes to mind is like to have all three is probably 20%, like premature ejaculation or involuntary ejaculation. I prefer to call it involuntary ejaculation, actually, because, uh-huh. you know, maybe you're having sex for four minutes, but you're just, you don't have any control over it. So it's involuntary ejaculation. That's not premature. Got so it. involuntary ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, having homosexual, I guess, fantasies or tendencies, mm-hmm. having all those, maybe 20%. I know I'm throwing out, I'm throwing out a random number. I, I couldn't actually say that with 100% confidence. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I put you on the spot with that one. And it's yeah. obviously we're just we're just throwing around numbers here. You know, the number that came to my mind would probably be somewhere around seven or eight out of out of 10 men only because even for if all three experience all three. All three. Yeah, because I've talked to a lot of guys myself and I've been in a lot of spaces where guys share some of their most vulnerable things and doing exercises where one man will share something that he's ashamed of and kind of let everybody around the room raise their hand if they can relate to that or if they've experienced that before. And all three of those things you said, I think also penis size is also a really big one too, is the, you know, the size of their penis, not lasting long enough, not being competent in the bedroom, and, and then also having those... Fear of, of homosexuality is a really interesting one too. And there's a lot more guys who actually experience that than I find will really admit it. Because even if it was when you were nine or 10 years old and you wondered about that or you thought about that or you experimented with that, because so many people have, but most guys won't talk about that because it's, it's not socially acceptable, so to speak. Yeah. I, I want to start off with that one first for some reason, because I think that's probably the hardest one for guys to admit. Sure. Is having those thoughts. So tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, keeping confidentiality and not exposing anyone's stories. What have you found around that that helps you understand the shame of it better? Can you ask that question differently? I'm not sure how to answer the question. So for any guys who have homosexual thoughts, fantasies, or have had homosexual experiences and are ashamed of that, what do you find in asking them more about it? What do you learn about that? What is the what is the fear or the shame? What is the source of that shame? Yeah, the common theme every single time is that they feel like like if they're being penetrated or if they're giving a blowjob or if they're having, you know, having someone have sex with them, like fuck them in the ass, they feel like, okay, well, if I'm getting, if I'm being penetrated, then that means that I'm the woman. And then that means that I'm less than which then starts to fuck with them because most guys are like, but I don't look at women like that. I don't think that they're less than, but the whole being fucked thing or that, wow. And then it's like this deep seated, like, why does that mean that I'm less than? Hmm. So I think a lot of guys could learn how to be powerful from women in that regard, because there are a lot of, a lot of women that I know are quite empowered in their, in their sexuality and being penetrated and being filled that's a big thing that I've noticed from guys is this feeling that they're less of a man if they're not giving. If they're not uh-huh. doing the penetrating, they feel like they feel less than. That's a big aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really interesting because that seems like it's a few layers deep. 
I think initially, and I think of like being in a locker room back when I was in high school and I went to an all boys Catholic high school. So the thing to do is to make fun of somebody for being gay, calling somebody a fag or something like that. That was, that was how a hierarchy was established in social circles in that for me and that in that space and time. And I just can remember a lot of these conversations. And I remember being around because I was, you know, there was hundreds of other boys in my high school. And I, some of them were obviously gay and very uncomfortable to be gay at an all boys school. And there were some of them who were obvious, who, who were not wanting to portray that image of themselves. But clearly you could see there's like a discomfort or something around it, almost like a, even at that age, you can kind of see there's a little bit of a masking around it. So it's even that sense of, well, if I, if I, have sex with another man there's something about that that was like uh like dirty or not right i keep thinking about the religious context or the the sinner archetype of having a homosexual relationship that's even nowadays where so many of us were in contact with with gay and homosexual people all the time it's like it's not even like an issue we had a presidential candidate who is openly gay here in the here in the states so socially it's becoming more open and accepted, so to speak, but there's still these underlying thoughts or beliefs that are, that are operating on a, on a, on a subconscious level is, is at least what I see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's definitely Judeo-Christian values because people might like to fight it and say, Oh, our society is not based on that, but no, it is. That's how our countries were founded was based on Judeo-Christian values. And that's definitely a, a caused a source of, of shame around homosexuality. And then there's also just the thought of, so you'd mentioned just feeling gross, like that's dirty. Uh I think that that can also be, because I've met a lot of gay guys who have never had sex with a woman and they think, ew, vaginas, that's kind of, that's just gross. Like they feel gross in their body. Yeah. Yeah. So it's normal and natural that if you don't find a man attractive to think a sexual act with a man, ugh, it just feels gross. Right, right, right. right. Uh But the where we end up taking that a step too far is saying, well, if that's gross, then that must mean that it's wrong mm. because I don't like feeling gross. So that means that it's wrong. And then that means those people are wrong and those people are gross and those people are wrong. And that's where the church end, can end up going too far is like, well, that's a sin. It's gross. It's a sin. It means they're bad, blah, 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 blah. But that's just not correct. Instead, it's just one step away. It's like, ew, that's gross. That just means that it's not for me. Right. That's a really, I'm really glad that you drew it out that way. Cause that, that, uh, that's the obvious source of so many of those things. And, and how many times do we hear about people who were very anti-homosexual, who you find out that they were actually having homosexual relationships behind, behind the scenes, you know? So there's like a, there's like a projection or a distancing of our, of ourselves from our truth to hide, like you're going all the way back to sexual shame. It's when you're hiding. That's it's, it's such a really great indicator of that. And I'm also thinking again about this differentiation between a boy and a man. I would, in using some of your language and definitions, I would say that a boy also feels like he needs to hide his truth and who he is depending on the circumstances that he's in so that he can continue to feel loved and validated and approved of. Yeah, I mean, there's that, but it's also like hiding any kind of weakness because as men, we do need to be strong. We are the protectors, right? Mm. So we do need to be strong. So if you show any kind of vulnerability, then that means that you're weak and you're in that then you're no, you're no longer valuable. Mm. So if we associate homosexuality with a lack of strength, then that means that you're weak. But mm-hmm. that's not the case. It's simply because you know, there's so many different layers. 
there's the assumption that if you're being penetrated, then you're weaker. But if you like being penetrated, if you like that, then you're actually owning that. So there's actually strength in that. Like, hey, I like this. I want to go get this. I'd, some people like to be dominated, but some people just like to be penetrated or that doesn't have anything to do with being dominated. So mm-hmm. there's inherent strength in that. So it's just, I think boys will hide whatever they think and men as well. It's like the inner parts of them want to hide what they think is associated with being weak because we're not allowed to be weak. But I think that that's also the layer of vulnerability. So if we're vulnerable, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're weak. It just means that there's a vulnerable, there's an opening for being for an attack. So we associate vulnerability with being weak. But vulnerability just means that there's an opening for an attack and that we're going to attack that vulnerable spot. But if you can take that vulnerability, so let's say you've had some gay fantasies or you've had some gay experiences and you feel vulnerable with that, that means that if someone pokes at that, then, then it's really going to hurt. But if you're able to embrace that part of yourself and say, you know what? I know I have had some gay experiences. I had a good time. I liked it. And you can own it and you can strengthen yourself around that part of who you are that you associated with being weak before, but now you actually turn that and create strength out of that. Well, now there's no more vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Now you're taking the part that could have been a chink in the armor and you're strengthening it. You're reinforcing that part by, yeah, it, it no longer becomes a, vulner, a vulnerability. So you actually become stronger when you can embrace these parts of yourself that you have been ashamed of in the past. I like that. I like that a lot. So but before we jump into how we flip this around and turn a vulnerability into a strength, I want to I want to dissect the other two leading shame sources that you that you shared before. So the especially the first one that you said about not lasting long enough or involuntary ejaculation. So what is, let's, let's just dissect it similar to how we did the homosexual thoughts and fantasies. What, what do you think is the source of that shame? What is it ultimately rooted in? Usually it's performance. Two things that usually happen there. So one is it's performance anxiety. And then two, it's unaware of their body. So let's say you're watching porn and you're watching porn a lot and you're masturbating and you're only lasting two minutes, three minutes when you're masturbating because, well, you're just going to, you got some tension in your body. You're kind of horny. So I just want to jerk off and just ejaculate and get it done, done and over with. Well, you're training yourself to ejaculate quickly. You're training yourself to not understand your arousal. Actually, you're going to last as long as you want. If you want to have sex for 20 minutes, but all this time you're jerking off in two minutes, you're training your body Train how you fight, you know? Mm. And then the mm-hmm. other aspect, the, the other element that causes a lot of shame is feeling that you're less than. So if I can't last long enough, then I can get a reputation of being a one-minute man, mm-hmm. that she's not fully experiencing pleasure in sex because I'm not lasting long enough. And mm-hmm. so there's that. And then there's also the component of, I don't feel like I have any control over my sexuality. I ejaculate and it's involuntary. My partner says that it's fine, but... I don't feel fine because I don't have any control over this. And I hate the fact that I don't have any control over my own sexuality. I don't mm. I hate that fact. And that's where the, that's another source of shame. Yeah. And as I'm listening to this more and more, I'm just appreciating how much of an influence porn has on these, these shameful elements of our sexuality. Not, not that we can blame porn for everything. Cause obviously we can take a responsibility as men that that's something we've engaged in for a large portion of our lives. And it's affected us. Like you said, you know, train how you fight. If you, if that's how you're teaching yourself to embrace and engage in your sexuality, then of course that's what you're going to get. But also these, the illustrations or the stories, the narratives that we learn from watching at least mainstream pornography that, 
you know, in order to satisfy a woman, you got to be able to have sex for a really long time. You have to have a really huge dick and you have to give her multiple orgasms over an extended period of time and, and have her, you know, screaming and fits and moaning and all of this stuff. It's such a colored, a specifically colored version of sexuality. Like if it's, I think of like a, a, a circle, like a pie chart, it's, it's like one tiny sliver of what sexuality can be. And not to, not to say that it can't be that, but that it's not all encompassing. Mm-hmm. So I have my own thoughts about it, but what, what are your thoughts about how porn has influenced a lot of these shames that we have? How, how big of a factor do you think it is? I think it's a fairly big factor because there's, we just don't talk about sex. I mean, I can watch porn now, like sometimes, like often I'll like maybe watch porn for a tiny bit, but then I'll just look at a photo or I'll just be in my own mind. Like I'll turn off the porn and keep masturbating for a while. And then every now I'll turn it back on a bit. But because I've, I've integrated all these elements of my sexuality that porn doesn't take away from, from my sex. Mm. Whereas before it used to, I didn't have any control over my, over my sexuality, over my arousal, over my orgasm. I didn't have that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So porn definitely, because we don't properly educate people on sex, that's where they go for their education. And it just totally messes with us. So, but now a lot of people are like, well, I know porn is bad, but what's the alternative? So they're kind of, they're throwing their hands up in the air. Like, what the fuck? Like, what am I supposed to do? Mm. So I think that porn focuses in on what boys want. So a boy wants a woman to have a lot of orgasms. We want to be powerful in the bedroom. And that's great. That's great. But that's the superficial component of, I need to be powerful in the bedroom and dominant. She needs to have lots of orgasms. But so a lot of guys will chase that because it's a boyish sexuality of chasing those things. But like I had mentioned before about being a man, what are you bringing to the table? Like what's the responsibility that you're carrying? It's what women get turned on by is a man's strength in his, in his own self. Mm -hmm. The orgasm is a byproduct from the connection and the energy that you're bringing into the bedroom. Being powerful is you being powerful in your own sexual and your own sexuality and what you're bringing into the bedroom in that regard. So who you are as a man, that is what's going to turn her on. And that's what's going to make her choose to surrender to you and then allow herself to experience ecstasy. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between fulfilling sex versus superficial sex, where it's like just about the orgasms, but always feeling kind of like empty inside versus fulfilling sex where it's, Hey, I'm bringing everything that I've got into the bedroom and into this connection with you. And then orgasms become a byproduct. Right. Right, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so fascinating when you really start to dissect it and look at it. You know, one of the Speaking personally, I don't think that all porn is necessarily bad. I've spoken, I think that sometimes it's important, just like if you're addicted to sugar or if you're addicted to nicotine or coffee or something like that, it's really helpful sometimes to just cut something out completely and see what your experience is like when you remove that thing that was a part of your way of being for so long. And I include porn in that. So a lot of times I'll encourage guys to, you know, say, hey, commit to 30 days, commit to 60 days, commit to 90 days, whatever feels good for you to separate yourself from it. But I do think that there is a healthy relationship that could be had with it. One of the problems I have with with porn is that a lot of times they go, and I don't watch a lot of porn anymore, but they, they oftentimes go from a guy knocking on the door to banging on the coffee table in like less than two minutes. There's like a, you know, and a lot of these, they, they tell the stories in different ways, but my experience is that, yes, women enjoy sex just as much as men do. Like that's that's one thing that I think I've, I've learned a lot is because I used to believe that it was opposite but the way women access intimacy and the way they become sexually aroused is oftentimes a lot different than the way we as men do. 
And I don't know how much of that is social conditioning or just the way that we are, you know, X and Y chromosomes, but my wife, she needs some romance. She's not, she's not necessarily, whereas me, you know, the wind could blow in one direction and I'm ready to go. So, <laughs> so I think that's something also that we've got to appreciate. And I think it would be helpful if there was more porn out there that told that honest story of, of how the experience is for, for men and women. Yeah. Well, I think buy a book on erotica. Mm. That's, I mean, a lot of guys haven't read erotica because they think that maybe it's kind of weird or whatever, but I'm telling you, man, you buy a book on erotica, like there was a book, I don't know if I have it on my shelf. I'm looking at my shelf right now and I think I lost the book, which is really frustrating because it was really, really, really freaking good. So when you're talking about erotica, you're talking about like 50 shades of gray. You're talking about like a a story about, okay. Yeah. Best, best of women, best women's erotica, 2011. And the book is by Violet Blue. And there is a bunch, I think there's about 13 short stories in here, 15 short stories. And they're all about maybe anywhere from nine to 20 pages long. So it's something that's mm-hmm. relatively short that you can read before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they create the experience. So this is what, what women find really, really, really attractive and like erotic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys forget about the eroticism of, of sexuality. They think sex equals purely physical, but... And then, and then they forget the erotic nature. So Eros, and Esther Perel talks about this a lot, Eros is the emotion that we're bringing into the bedroom. Mm. I mean, I'm, I, I'm assuming that for the guys listening to this, I'm, I'm assuming that you've probably had an orgasm before or an ejaculation where there just wasn't really any, like there was an ejaculation, but the orgasm was kind of lackluster and the sex wasn't really all that great. But then there's been times when there's so much energy that's pent up, that's built up, that the sex is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And that's Eros. It's because there's a lot of emotion that's created in there. So a lot of guys can forget that that's what women really like is is that that Eros. But yes, also the connection. Yeah. And that's, I don't want to say that women do emotion better than men. I, I don't want to draw any, I don't want to paint any broad strokes here. But it is interesting that there is a whole erotic literature genre of of stuff that you can go and check out and i'm sure it's vastly weighted towards towards women yes because there's some part of their psyche that you know appreciates that a little bit more and it's definitely a really a really great thing to appreciate as as a man because i know for me i'm i'm the stereotype that that you just described for me there's a there's a huge physical component to it and i also experience a lot of connection with my wife with my partner through sex so I'm, I'm very interested when we can find a window of time when we've got two little kids to, to get right to it. And, and for her, it's, it's different. You know, she needs a little bit more warming up to that, a little more romance to experience it in the way she wants to. So that's, it's huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that happens in these books, the Eros, it's the tension. So there's so much tension that's being built before they end up having sex. Mm-hmm. And that's what really is, is very alluring. That's the erotic nature of it is the tension. So it's not just about the romance beforehand. It's like, how can you build that sexual tension throughout mm-hmm. the day? How can you make her anticipate sex? How can you make her feel desired? How can you make her want you? It's the, it's the tension. So a lot of guys wait until they feel some sexual tension and they just want to relieve tension right away. They just want to be like, okay, I, I'm feeling horny. I want to get rid of this tension. I want to have an ejaculation. I want to orgasm. But mm. instead, if you can learn to maybe get turned on in the morning, maybe make out a tiny bit in the morning, if you can, <laughs> and then you're going to start to feel kind of charged up and you're going to want to, you're going to be horny. So use mm-hmm. that energy throughout the day and she's going to feel that energy. Right. And so use that as foreplay. Mm, yeah. The, the 
the metaphor that came to my mind was just like starting a fire, you know, starting a fire with some kindling in the morning and then just keeping it burning throughout the day until you're ready to really like, you know, throw some logs on it and heat it up at night or whenever that opportunity arises. But that's, that's great, man. And, you know, from speaking with hundreds of men, there are very few men who, who hold their sexuality in that way. So I think um, even me included, you know, that's, that's not something that I am in the practice of. So I'm, I'm taking that away from this conversation. Like, how could I, how could I build intimacy throughout the day and not have that expectation that it's going to complete with sex, but at noon tonight, tomorrow, you know, not knowing when that's going to happen. Cause again, I think that goes all the way back to what we talked about before. That's, that's me chasing my own orgasm, my own release of tension and not what we're co-creating as a, as a partnership. Yeah. Well, here's something that, uh, that I did in the past was I wrote uh, so after I had read a whole bunch of this erotica, I kind of knew what to create. So I wrote a short story of my own with my partner. And so the story was she and I were going shopping for clothes she picked off a shirt off of the rack, dropped it on the floor. She bent over in front of me. And then we went into the, the clothing room and there was other people around and there was conversation happening and then told her what we were going to do in the room. So it was building this anticipation and then through the story. And then I'd send that, I wrote that out in notes, in my, in my notes on my phone. And then I sent out little blurbs throughout the day oh, to her. Nice. Yeah. And she, yeah, she really, she really liked that. <laughs> Yeah. And how did you like that? How, how was that experience for you? Because it's great that she enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I was, I was also, I felt kind of vulnerable in the sense that I wasn't sure what she would think of it. Like, oh, mm. my writing, this is stupid. But you kind of have to write and you kind of have to practice with it and, and just explore in order for it to get better. Like you kind of have to fumble your way through it the first couple of times that you do it. Yeah. Because I, I can imagine myself feeling the same way of trying something new especially around the topic of sexuality. It's, it's so, it is such a vulnerable thing for so many of us and feeling awkward and wondering, is she going to like this? Is this weird? Am I a pervert? You know, am I, all those beliefs that start to populate in the ego that wants to keep us safe around this stuff. It's really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's, let's, we, did you have something else you wanted to add on to that? Oh, you had mentioned a pervert. So my, oh, yeah. my thought is embrace your inner perv. <laughs> embrace your yeah. inner perv. That's a part of what sexual shame is, is saying, oh, I'm a pervert, pervert, depending on how you say it. If I say it, yeah, I'm a pervert. I can say it and be okay with it because I'm a bit of a pervert. If you associate pervert with, say, something really dark and really, really, really shameful, my mind instantly went to like pedophilia. I mean, that's perverted. And that I think is something that's unhealthy. But if you're perverted because, oh, I want her to, um, I'm going to get adult here. I want mm -hmm. to slap her face with my dick, right? Mm -hmm. And you think that that's really perverted. You can embrace that inner pervert because that's, that's the inner shame. Like when you can fully embrace your desires and you bring that into the bedroom, it actually creates space for her to let, to let out her inner perv. Yeah, which is, it's, I mean, talk about vulnerable, right? Yeah. Because yeah, instantly all the, like for anybody who's listening right now, just imagine that thing that you, that you want sexually that you've never asked for or you've never proposed to a sexual partner. Just think of what that thing is right now and immediately recognize the thoughts or beliefs that come up around it. Like, oh, no, 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 that's too much. Or that that's, she, she'll, she, she'll leave me if, if, she, if I ask her about that. Because when you really think about it, all we're really doing is expressing something that we want. We're not imposing 
it on somebody else. You're not, you know, you're not just going to take out your dick and, and, and smack your girlfriend in the face if she doesn't, you know, if she doesn't consent to that. It's amazing how we immediately assume that we're doing something against someone else's will if we don't, because of its, you know, whether we think it's perverted or grotesque or a little out of the box. But yeah. Yeah. And that's where a lot of sexual dysfunction comes from. This is where a lot of people end up cheating or they feel disconnected from their partner or they get into a porn addiction while they're in a relationship. It's because they're searching for this sexual experience that they can't get in their relationship because they've never brought it up mm. because either a they're ashamed or they say, no, my partner would never be into that or she's going to leave me. She's going to hate that sort of thing. Well, then there is sort of the self-abandonment that happens. So you mm. abandon yourself because you don't even want to talk about it. And then in come the unhealthy sexual habits. Mm. You either cheat, compulsive porn addiction, or you withdraw from the relationship entirely rather than just embracing these components of yourself and then inviting your partner to create something with you. At the very least, when you say something out loud, the power of it goes away. Mm. So for myself, I've, I've had some sexual experiences and sexual fantasies that I had some shame around. I went and explored the sexual fantasy. And then once I did that, the fantasy was pretty much gone. Like every now and again, it'll pop up, but the compulsive nature of that fantasy, the the force behind it is completely removed. So now right. it's just like a fantasy that pops up and I can enjoy without feeling like I'm losing myself in it. And right. the only real way to do that is to be able to give your fantasy a voice. Maybe you don't even need to share it with your partner. You can say it to a close confidant or, or like if you're in a men's group, get a men's group, you know, share mm -hmm. it with the guys in the men's group and work your way through it. So that way it doesn't weigh you down sexually in your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a great pivot point for the way you spoke about when I asked you before we started recording, I said, well, what is really your mission here? We talk, we talk about shame, obviously that I would categorize that as the problem or the challenge that men have. But you said where you want to lead men into is, is sexual and emotional freedom. And you've sprinkled a bunch of t ideas and strategies throughout this conversation here. And one of the ones I want to start with was how you, you spoke about how we can flip our mindset around the thing that we have shame about, about and just owning it. Like I, the, the one that stands out is you talked about just owning your inner pervert and taking the power that it has over you away from it and neutralizing it and then, and then turning it into a strength. So how do we do that? Is it, is it just simply flipping it around and saying, I'm not going to let that be a weakness anymore. I'm going to let that just be who I am. How, how does a guy do that? <laughs> yeah, it's not that easy. It's a, it's like, if when someone's like, yeah, stop being anxious. Trust yourself. Oh, okay. Thanks. No more anxiety. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> off. Like, that's just not how it works. This is not how it works. Yeah. So there right. is a process of integration. There's a process of integrating these aspects of ourselves that we want to reject. So when I say integration, when we're disintegrated, when we're disintegrated, basically you have this aspect of yourself that you're shameful of. I'm ashamed that I like this, this fantasy, right? I'll use one example from someone who came onto the show. He liked fisting. So I'm going to use that as an example. He rejected that part of himself. It's an aspect of a sexuality he hated and he tried to reject it and put it outside of himself. But the thing is, is that you're trying, when you rip that part of yourself out of you, you're actually creating this gaping hole and that gaping hole, the only thing that is going to fill that hole is shame. That's the only thing that's going to fill that hole. And then you're trying to reject this aspect of you, but it's a magnet. It's magnetized to you. So you're constantly, the shame is pushing it away while it's trying to come back at you, right? So that's mm -hmm. the feeling of disintegration. It's, uh, that's the shame. Actually, you can look at it that way. The pushing of something away of yourself, that 
effort that goes to push it away is the shame. So when we integrate, we actually, I'm no longer pushing it. I'm letting it back in and then it becomes a part of me. And then there's no more effort to push something away. So it's just a level of peace, right? So there's, there's just, it's a level of neutrality that is integration. So I just wanted to explain what integration was. So the way that we go through this, like integrating these aspects of ourselves is first, we have to understand what it is. So what is it that you actually like? What is it that you get turned on by? So, and I'm going to use this around sexual shame. So turning towards it and being like, at least at the very least in your head saying, I like this thing, or I'll use gay porn. For example, I like watching gay porn. Okay, cool. I like watching gay porn. That's the first step. Then the next step is allowing yourself to watch gay porn. And so that's the next step. And this can be done relatively quickly. I'm going to allow myself to watch this gay porn. And then you'll have these thoughts of what are people going to think? And then maybe there's people that you envision, like, what if I got caught? What would they say? Just letting that go. I am here. I am alone. This is what's happening. I'm going to allow myself to watch this. Then the next part is saying it out loud. I like watching gay porn. I like gay porn. Then you can say it to one confidant. Then you can say it to maybe a couple of people. Then you can start sharing it openly. And then maybe along that path as well, Maybe gay porn has to do with mutual masturbation with another man. Maybe it has to do with actually having sex with another man. So that's the process of integration. Mm -hmm. Instead of rejecting it entirely, go into all the little pieces and allow yourself to start talking about it and maybe exploring it step by step. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about that for a second. Cause sure. is it also possible that at some point in this expanding exploration of this thing that previously we had shame about that at some point it just loses its luster that maybe when you get to a certain part of that process that all of a sudden you're like you know what this actually isn't what i thought it was you know where exploring a fantasy plays itself out and then you're like well actually that's not really what i'm into and then clears it yeah absolutely that definitely happens it's not what always happens but that definitely does happen. That's not uncommon at all Mm -hmm. so that is a part of the process so part of the process is being able to talk it out loud and then exploring the fantasy. But there's also the mental thoughts that come in of thinking, what does this mean about me as a man? And what does this mean about me as a person? So then there's the counterpoint of the, the counter arguments that you have to go through as well. So I like gay porn. That means that I'm a loser. Well, what's the counter argument to I'm a loser? Well, there are gay men that I think that are fucking awesome and really strong. So being a gay man doesn't mean that I'm a loser. Okay, so like inserting different arguments as well that are on the positive side of your fantasy. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it does. I'm also just imagining, uh, do you think this is something, obviously some of this work can be done individually. You know, you can have these conversations with yourself, but at some point, do you think it's really important for, I know you mentioned sharing this openly with people who are not just yourself, uh, where that becomes essential to giving this belief less power? Yes, so for example, And I shared this on a series of episodes that I have for my podcast called The Secret Sexual Share. And I shared about a fantasy that I had about having sex with a trans woman. And so at first I had to turn towards, okay, I like watching trans porn. Then why? You know what? I think I would want to have sex with a trans woman. And then I said it out loud. I want to have sex with a trans woman. And then eventually I hired a trans escort and I had sex with a trans escort. I was like, okay, cool. And then the fantasy was, the, the charge was mostly gone. 
And then, so along through that process, I had to explore the stories. Now I'm also, I guess, trained. I've been doing this for quite a while, so I could go through the process. But even though I was able to experience it on my own and privately, there was shame around sharing it to other people. Mm. So that's the process. So there's the internal shame of how I feel about myself. And then there's the external shame of what do I think other people are going to say about me? And the only mm-hmm. real way of integrating that and, and dealing with that is by leaning into it. So I'd share it with one person, then a couple people, then more people and more people and more people. And then I could just talk about it openly. Uh, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really, doesn't, it doesn't affect me. I, I appreciate you really laying this out for, for us to see what it could look like. Because this could also be, you kind of compacted it here, but this may be many weeks, months, even years of stretching out this process too. Is that, is that true? Takes as long yeah. as it takes sort of. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've had some clients who were having issues with not being able to ejaculate, not being able to get hard, watching gay porn. Uh, so one client was watching gay porn, but he never thought that he was gay. And he was like, I don't think I'm gay, but I like doing this. Like, What's going on? And after about two months, like he stopped watching gay porn and our conversations and our coaching sessions completely changed because it was no, no longer a problem for him anymore because there was so much shame around it. We dealt with the shame. We figured out what was actually happening. We were able to integrate everything and he no longer feels compelled to watch gay porn at all. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not yeah. gay, but there was something else that was, that was tied to it. I don't want to share any more details, but mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. you can do it on your own, but if you do do it on your own, it's going to take a lot longer than if you have someone that's guiding you through it. Well, that's the thing. And, I, and in my experiences of working with coaches and people who it's the objectivity it's the objectivity that's so important where somebody can purely be non in a space of support, compassion, non-judgment. I'm here to support you and help you understand what you're going through that neutralizes that fear of what are people going to think? Because if you can put one person in front of you who, when you stay, say that thing that you're shameful about, they don't flinch, they don't change, they, they ask you more, they inquire deeper, immediately it opens up the space for that territory to be examined, to be explored. And I think that's so critical and so important. I'm, gra- I'm glad that there are guys like yourself out there who are creating spaces specifically for this because I think this is one of the most underspoken parts of malehood and masculinity is the shame that we carry around sex. It's it's still such a taboo thing for us to talk. Men and sex, men talking about sex is still a taboo thing. That used to be, I remember growing up and watching movies where the you know the thing was that oh guys never talk about their feelings or how or, or sex or anything like that it's like it's still true it's still true even even in this modern age with you know all of us who are woke as fuck you know <laughs> we're, we're still not talking about sex so yeah man I'm, I'm glad that there's folks like you out there and, and in a minute you can tell us where guys can go to find you and, and work with you a little bit more but just to round off this conversation about sexual shame is there anything else that we haven't covered yet that is important to mention for guys out there who may be going through this in their own way? Yeah. The only real way that you can find emotional freedom and freedom for yourself and true, like deep, deep confidence is to be able to actually look at yourself, look at these parts of yourself that you might feel shame for and actually and start working on that part, integrating these parts of yourself that you're trying to reject. You have to be completely honest with yourself. And that's the only real way that you can become truly confident and a truly powerful man. If you're rejecting certain parts of yourself, you're not a truly powerful man because you're rejecting yourself. So mm. if you want to be a truly powerful man and influence in the, in, in the world, you have to be able to do this work on yourself and integrate all components that you think that you're, uh, that you're ashamed of. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. I think about the the self rejection is that internal battle, and if you can't fight the outside battles, if you're fighting yourself on the inside, so that's uh, that's a really great one to leave on, man. Um, I got a couple quick lightning questions for you, and then right after that, you tell us where these guys can go find you to work with you and check out your podcast, and uh, and then we'll wrap it up there. Uh, so that's good. All right. So you, are you ready for a couple lightning ones? All right. Let's do this. Let's do it. Uh, what is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were eighteen? <sighs> Damn, man, you keep on asking all these questions that no one's ever asked me before. I didn't. <laughs> Zingers. <laughs> oh, man. Can you ask me another one first and then I'll come back to that and let that one percolate <laughs> in the back of my mind? All right, cool. Uh, what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? The most important value? You know what? I, th- I think that I've, no one's ever asked me that before either. I think the first thing that comes to mind is there's two that are tied together is courage and a pursuit of truth and the courage to be able to admit when you could be wrong because something isn't actually true. Mm. And they're there. So those two are, are combined. Yeah. I like that one. Okay. Back to, back to the number one. What's the one thing you wish you knew when you were 18? I wish that I, I would have trusted myself more when I was, mm. when I was younger, mm-hmm. stood up for myself and set boundaries and recognized that I, I was valuable and that I was good. Perfect. I like that one. Yeah. Cool. And last but not least, where can we go find you, follow you, check out your podcast, sign up to work with you, hit us with all the details. Yeah, for sure. So you can go to theintimatelifestyle.com. That's where you can find me. You can also find me on Facebook, Ryan Thomas T-I-L. So that's for The Intimate Lifestyle. You can also find me on Instagram, Ryan Thomas T-I-L. Uh, I do have an Instagram page for, uh, for The Intimate Lifestyle, but I haven't really been leveraging it. So there isn't really all that much that's on there currently, but that will be changing, uh, changing soon. You can also find me on Spotify, iTunes, all the podcast places, and you can search The Intimate Lifestyle. And I also do have a YouTube, uh, The Intimate Lifestyle. Yeah. Awesome, man. So, so make sure you guys go and, and check out Ryan. And for any of you guys who listen to this episode, and you said, wow, I've, I've got a lot more shame around my sexuality than I thought I did. I can, I can tell you right now, this is definitely the kind of guy that you're going to want to connect with and work with because in the personal development world, there's so much that people who are standing front and center won't tell you about themselves and won't own right up, right up front. And to, to, for me, just to talk to you for this past hour, to the level and degree of transparency and confidence you had in speaking about your truth that's somebody who's going to be able to, to help people out with their own, with their own challenges. So uh, just full endorsement for you, man. I love the work that you guys are doing up there with the Samurai Brotherhood and glad that Ben put us in touch, man. We'll have to get you, uh, get you on again here soon. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a, a three-way interview next time. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love it. Yeah, brother. Right on, man. Well, in the meantime, be well up there, ride out this global pandemic as best you can and, and keep doing the good work, bro. I appreciate you being here. Thank you very much, Chetty. I appreciate it. I know you guys love the episodes where we talk about sex. It's one of the favorite topics. I tell you, every episode where I've had a guest come in and talk about sex or something related to it, it's been hands down some of the most popular episodes. So I hope you guys got something powerful out of this one. I know that sex is a topic that we don't talk about as men, period, but especially amongst each other, unless at least when I remember when I was back in high school and college, the only sex stories that myself and my male friends shared with each other were sexual triumphs we never talked about not being able to get it up we never talked about ejaculating too soon we never talked about that stuff so i hope that this gives you license and liberty to lean into the real thing so that we can demystify this whole unrealistic expectation we have about our sexual performances as men 
and just get real for once. So the key to a fulfilling sex life is having an honest and truthful sharing about what your experience really is, really facing off with it. So make sure you guys sign up for our Rising Man Fire Circles. I'm telling you, they are lit. They're starting to really take off because we've got men in there who've been in there for, some of these guys have been in there for over a year now. And these circles are getting more and more powerful, more and more intimate. So join us in there. If you're feeling the call to mark your passage into manhood and clarify your purpose, then you can also apply to join us for our next Compass Group, our four-day vision quest out in the mountains, out in the desert, wherever we're going to be. All the information is at risingman.org. Any which way you can be a part of the Rising Man, it's all there. So go check out the website. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the podcast so that, number one, you help us keep rising those charts, celebrating that we just showed up in Chartable for the top 200, number 151 in the U.S., and number 200 in the world for our category. So big gratitude for all you guys who are subscribing, who are following, who are sharing those comments and giving us those ratings and reviews. It really goes a long way. So please keep that up. It really helps us out. And also go check us out and follow us on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and also on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. Just appreciate you guys. Appreciate every level in which you're following us and supporting us. Please continue to do that because it really helps us spread our message and spread our mission. To my Rising Man Power team, my five fellas who've been helping me out behind the scenes, helping me hoist up this massive mission on our shoulders. Sean Offenbach, Ryan Wilcox, Mark Rose, Julian Subic, and Rowan Tyne. I appreciate you fellas so much. An additional shout out to these guys, because four out of five of these guys are also involved in a company that they created called Wayfinders Media. Basically doing what they've done for me on an audio level, on a visual level. If you guys have seen any of the videos, any of the video content, any of the photographs, any of the, all of the podcasting details from publishing to editing and mastering, all of it is done by these guys behind the scenes. That's, that's what you guys don't see. They do an incredible job. The quality of this podcast, the video quality, the, they've helped me shape my whole message for The Rising Man. They've done a tremendous job. So make sure you check these guys out if you're looking to add that component to your business. It's priceless for me to be able to hand over all of that to these guys and just do what I do best. So any of you guys out there who are content creators who are doing it all by yourself, I'm telling you, get a team because that's how you're going to really 10x your life and 10x your impact. So big shout out to Wayfinders Media and you guys who are doing big things. I appreciate it. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.